that was interesting is I went on uh, kukaiom.com, and this is a website that's going to be listed on my Facebook page, guys, and I will definitely include it in my follow-up email. Uh, but it's kukaiom.com. Um, anyway, uh, I went on your website, and I was uh, actually, I brought it up here. So I was really uh, loved that you had some information of what people can do uh, and take naturally to help support their system during this. Right. Uh, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about it, if you don't mind. Uh, so I saw like healthy, exposed, but no symptoms. Um, so is this, so one of the things I was curious, so you got vitamin C on here, elderberry syrup, uh, vitamin D, and NAC for somebody who's healthy, uh, exposed, but no symptoms. Um, so my question on this is, uh, so is this something, so would this be good to also be able to take like preventatively, like to keep your vitamin C up, uh, to keep your, you know, elderberry, are you waiting until you're exposed yeah. for sure? Like what, what's your opinions on that? The interesting one, I followed up on that information with a webinar and went into it in more depth. But um, when we talk about the immune system, in part, we can begin talking about what's called innate immunity. So a lot of times strengthening the immune system, obviously to prevent infection, right? But the part of this illness that actually takes people out is that cytokine storm, which is for the immune system being overstimulated or not being able to break that inflammatory response. And at that point, there needs to be a switch in supplements, right? I mean, things that I don't want to just say supplements, but just approach um, because there's already was a lot of work done in Chinese herbs that are very specific to breaking down proteins that are important for viral replication. So um, those things are actually available. And they're also um, with the acute respiratory distress syndrome, there were already um, studies using different preparations like genistein, which is a soy a compound from soy, what's called an isoflavone, um, as well as andrographis, which is, you know, something from the Chinese materia medica, but grows in other places. So they're, they're like at every step, there are other interventions, and those aren't being highlighted because of the orientation of the medical profession and basically in the same way that you watch all the pharmaceutical commercials on tv because they support and part that industry but it's the same thing with the medical profession so everything that we're hearing about vaccines and this back and forth about malarial drugs that's all within that framework and it's hard to pierce that unless you know where to look or if you have connections with, you know, people outside of the country, you know, and as the U.S. has become more diverse, people are more aware that there are other solutions that that you can reach for, you know. So for for somebody who, you know, I'm, I've got some knowledge and experience looking in these arenas, but let's say somebody's listening and some of what you said sounded like gibberish to them, uh, <laughs> how do they? Pierce, where would they look, uh, you know, uh, for more information? You know, I mean, obviously they can uh, connect with you. Is the webinar that you did something that's available? And is it- Yeah, I, I, I can make any, so what I did 
Those recommendations are based on an article that I wrote back in March, right? And I put all the references in there. So basically I'm recommending things that to some degree I've been able to vet both from experience and the medical literature. In the webinar, I discussed that more and I put together a whole research list in terms of articles and other things that are being used. But what happens, um, the unique thing about this illness is that the understanding keeps getting deeper with respect to it. And for me, the biggest bombshell was finally coming across this article in Nature that actually documented how this virus or something very similar to this virus was called COVID-14 was actually purposely made because they wanted to see if they could, um, they were concerned about the different coronaviruses, particularly the SARS virus or the MERS virus, actually becoming more problematic. So to see what problems could actually happen, they um, created, it's, um, there's a technical term for it, but it's, it's a, um, Hmm. It's an upgrade of the virus to make it more functional. So they took from these horseshoe bats, they took um, some of the, that viral material and mixed it with something from um, the backbone of mice, right? And literally they were able to create the spike protein, the, um, a virus that would attack the receptors, the ACE2 receptors. And this is all there in, in the journal. And what had happened in 2013, they, uh, it, was, um, it was set up that we would no longer make these kind of viruses or experiment with them. But this study had already started. So they let that study continue. And in the article at the bottom, you see that the Wuhan laboratories, along with the, um, the CDC, and you, you look at all the research was right there to make a virus that really kind of resembles what we have now. And that was back in 2015 is when that article was, was printed. So that becomes a piece, a focal point in a larger picture, which we can talk about, which is much more metaphysical with respect to why this is even happening now. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. You know what, before you go there, because I, 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 I do want to go there, but I do want to bring up something else, which is, uh, so I just want to say, again, I, I don't know if I did get clear, how do people find more information from you if they want to? Or, okay. and, and just number one, is that something that's a website or is it something that they can find or is there? So what, what I'll do, um, I'll post, so that particular article, I will have my staff just post that right along with the um the google docs file that i had where i actually put a lot of research that you know it just furthered the research from the first article so if you get folks give that a couple of days it'll be up on that site you know so okay. once you post it you let me know and I'll, it'll go out with my mailing next week when i tell everybody so let you guys know when that's been posted so you can uh, check it out for yourself. And then the other thing I would say is, so we talked a bit about, uh, you know, and, and I just don't want to go too far down this road of, of mm -hmm. medicine, uh, uh, 
viruses and all that without pausing for a moment and just saying also, and I know you agree also, Kamau, I think with this, but Walter, like how much do you think, um, how important do you think it is that, that we, so is there a balance between taking the medical part seriously and like thinking about how we're trying to take care of our bodies in a, in a, in a medicinal way or a holistic, even a holistic, but still taking care of the cells, taking care of the physical? Um, is there importance to balance that with the energetic, you know, with our emotions, with, with our, uh, our feelings, with our, with our breath? You know, what do you, what, what do you think the relationship is there to our well-being, to our immune system? Is that, is that for me, Asa? I would love it if you've got a couple. Yeah, I think it's a very important piece to always be working on the, um, the your nervous system, your energy body, because that's really the key to self-regulation during difficult times. And this is stirring up a lot for many people on multiple levels, um, on the collective level, of course, but on an individual level, people's individual traumas can be getting triggered, but also uh, new traumas because it's a reality that people are, it's, you know, the not only is the media scary, but there are realities of people dying and people getting ill and people not working. So I think to, to know how to self-regulate um, on multiple levels because everybody's different is really, is really key. Um, can you tell me uh, one or two ways that you, self-regulate or one or two ways that practices that you do to work with your sensitivities? Yeah, you could start with the most basic would just be attending to the breath. The breath is uh, really important because as you know, when we're nervous, the breath goes up into the chest. We want to bring the breath down into the diaphragm and start with that. That's a great way. We can call it soft belly breathing, diaphragmatic breathing, but we start with that and that's a way to get into our bodies and kind of connect. Um, also, there's there's movement. There's so many ways to move, you know, even in small spaces. Anything from some ba basic yoga postures to, to qigong. I mean, we have great resources for qigong, and which is comes as sort of like tai chi, slow movements to cultivate the energy body. There are energetic points on the body, like um, you know, EFT does some does tapping, um, but there are also something like the ESR where we hold the forehead and the uh, brain stem here and just sort of relax. This brings balance to the brain and the energy systems. Um, this is pretty, pretty well known in the kinesiology world. So it, uh, doesn't this, when you, when you do this, you actually also bring blood back to the, uh, yeah, you're working with the, the prefrontal cortex and then you have back here, the, the more excitable brain stem and, and limbic system. So yeah. from a neural perspective, you're balancing that, but there's also um, uh, acupoints as well. So it's just a nice light hold. I'm just giving you examples of how to work with different aspects of the being. But the biggest resource, or one of the biggest that I find is the source itself. And that means different things for different people, consciousness, source, because that gives us a larger container to hold things in. When you're just trying to work on the individual self, that's fine. It's better to have a more relaxed mini-me than an upset mini-me, but if we can come out of that, that individual self and go into the more expanded self, sort of like you have the clouds in your sky, instead of trying to move around the clouds as the cloud, you just go into the sky and be the sky. 
And there are ways, there's many metaphors, comes out of the, the non-Drew traditions, but really the, the idea is just, you, there's something greater that you can rest in as a resource and a container. And have, we have access to this, it's always there. I mean, Eckhart Tolle talks about this in The Power of Now, this, this state of awareness that's just always present. And it's not a dissociated spaced out presence. It's a very um, connected, subtle, um, boundless being, beingness that we have access to. And from there, it gives us room to hold our experiences. And then we, and the beauty of it is we can work on the experiences. We can work on the emotions that come up. We can work on the mental fixations or the, you know, the mind that's going awry from that space and include it. So that way there is no um, disconnection. It's all integrative. So uh, I'm a person listening to this and uh, I'm thinking that sounds cool. I would like to tap into that. Uh, but you know, I'm going about my normal day, right? I'm sort of hyper associated into my life. I'm maybe a little bit anxious about, you know, I have to go to the grocery store tomorrow, you know, whatever things may be going on. Uh, and I want to get a little bit more connected to this awareness state. Uh, can you give me, uh, guide me a little bit in something I might do in this moment to help me? Well, the, gate, the gateway into that is, is mindfulness, right? You start with mindfulness being more aware and more present on what, on what you're doing. And, you, and just start to pay more attention, not worry about the past and the future as much and be more, more present. To get into the, the direct path into a greater awareness, it's, it's probably best to practice that when you're not running around throughout the day so that, so that you can have access to it more readily. Because there are gonna be times when you're gonna get pulled back into the nervous system and the mind, it's meant to be there. You're gonna get pulled into a fight flight response. You're gonna get pulled into maybe a freeze response. So, that's why there are tools to work on, on that, like shaking the body out, and tri letting everything shake out of the body, knocking things down here, um, <laughs> or, or the breath. So you want, you know, when you're connecting to the source or being in a, in a more expanded state, that takes practice. And you might not be able to get there um, in the middle of a, of a crisis, but if you practice it, it's, it's more readily available. And, I would say, you know, I would say just take five minutes a day to, to sit in it. I mean, there, there, there are ways to learn it and do it through body work. I can, I can entrain people through the body, but also just by leading someone through an experience. Okay, but wait, I'm going to put this in the steps and tell me if you think that this is a way somebody can start. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Basic. So first thing I heard from you was associate in. So by getting aware of the breath and connecting and, and, and being in your body or mindful, the first thing we're actually doing is associating into this moment, into our body, into our awareness in, in, this, in the being, in the body. Then uh, what I'm hearing is what we want to do is then expand that out and maybe either try to uh, rise above ourselves maybe a little bit or step out into an observer where maybe we can be aware of ourselves being there, but also be outside of it at the same time. Right. That's right. It's at the same time. You are, there's a field of awareness that's right there. It's like double clicking a mouse and Yes. You're in that awareness. You're in, a, you're in awareness, and it's right there. It's not dissociated. It's just an expanded state called presence. So if I was to say, who are you if you had no problem to solve right now? Who are you if you had nothing to think about? And what's there? What is there is simply presence. And this is a state of unconditioned self. 
And it's also a loving state because we can move that into the heart and all of a sudden we'll be, we're being aware from this place, not from the thinking mind. You can use the thinking mind to solve problems and do that, but you don't want to be ruminating the mind all the time and trying to figure out everything there. There's a time for that, but there's a time to be in a more a state of presence and to rest in that and be informed by that. And that, that is just my opinion, but I, I would say I've experienced it and I would encourage people to try to experience it. Don't take it for, you know, for what I'm saying, because it's, it, it may be a bit of a paradigm stretch for some who don't meditate. Yeah, so, but, I, it, but I, it is interesting. And I do think anybody who just goes in intending to have a more expanded awareness, just taking that intention in and holding that and, and actually allowing ourselves to expand into it, it it's actually uh, easier than people might think. Uh, it's, it's more think about so. it's taking the time to actually associate it and then do it. Uh, in case you want to know more about it and Google about it, it's called the direct path. It's, there's interesting information out there um, uh, about it. But, uh, and also, it's not quite the exact same thing, but we've talked about this before. The book by uh, Deepak Chopra, MetaHuman, um, right. in some ways talks about some of the stuff. It's a really good book uh, for somebody who might be interested in more about this kind of uh, material. Um, you know, I think one of the things you described in there for me is what I feel like meditation is, which is it's less about, you know, people think meditation is silencing the mind. I always say that, you know, a silenced brain is a dead one. Um, the, brain, the brain thinks and it works and it starts being active, you know, at the beginning and it doesn't stop being active, hopefully until you're gone. So I think meditation is less about a silenced mind and, and one where you're not listening, actually. It's where you learn to actually not hear the noise um so that you can actually be in your beingness without having to be just in whatever chatter is coming up in the mind at that moment and i i think it's uh the more we sort of work to connect to the direct path the more we actually have the ability to separate ourselves from the chatter uh, and learn to to recognize the thoughts that are actually we're thinking as mm -hmm. the thoughts that are actually just the brain making noise because that's what it does you know uh creating reasons to worry or, or looking for problems it's a beautiful way to put it because no longer do we need to sit for 30 years in the mountains to, to reach these states. Um, we just wait, you know, for the whole entire ego to deconstruct and then be there. Instead, we can go there. And if you want to know more about this as a teacher, uh, Locke Kelly, who explains this beautifully. Um, and I learned some of this from him. You know, he's one of, one of my teachers, but you're right. There's, it's not as difficult. Um, it's a pretty, it used to be, you know, maybe they thought reserved for people who spent many years meditating, but there is a way that we can be present. And yes, Deepak Chopra alludes to this state, which he calls metahuman, um, which just means beyond the, the conditioned self. I can chime in with a slightly different orientation on that. Um, I would love to hear. So as, well, there's two things. One, just in terms of my background, I was trained as a traditional African priest in something called the Osiris Set Society. And for years, I would always hear about East-West, and I would always say to myself, what about North-South? <laughs> and thinking about more shamanic traditions and thinking about work in Africa. Um, so at one point, I had the opportunity to travel around Africa, I even did a documentary film about traditional African medicine. And what I would say that the meditation within that cultural context, understanding that all cultures of the world have something 
the offer with respect to how you connect with source. So it's interesting because in part, I've been trained in both ways. So um, about nine months ago, I started running meditation intensives online. with The whole idea that you're trying to get consciousness to be the focus of awareness for a person. And yes, there's all the noise there, but there's any number of techniques and just guided imagery to help people really just to re-identify with self. And then um, one day I actually spoke as self. In other words, I spoke in the first person, which is really the hallmark of traditional uh, African spirituality is that people go into trance with the actual energy and become that. So whatever it is that you're trying to manifest, you actually want to become that. And I started speaking and all of a sudden I realized I was going back into my old tradition where I was like, I would go into trance and you would speak in tongues, you would do all of this stuff. I'm like, holy crap. So I, because this was more of a different model that I was using, but I introduced that where I allow myself to go into that state and I wouldn't call it channeling because it's really a trance state. So I'm aware, like yesterday we had a meditation and all of a sudden the own chant went off in the background and I was able to come out of that, fix the, the volume control and then use a pre-programmed statement I have for myself that allowed me to go back into that state. And it's just a, so all the mindfulness and stuff is all there but it's like trying to re-identify with who you actually are as that spirit that's walking through this incarnation. So that, I'm really excited about that because it's a bridge between people that are really in the traditional culture that go into trance with the drum and everything. And it's and the idea of a sitting meditation where you're actually still doing this but you still can induce that kind of trance state. And what I find then in dealing with stress is that, yeah, breathing is definitely key. You know, these little exercises are all great, but the more that you practice at assuming the state that you want to remain in, the easier it is for you just to snap back into that. So you remember that you're not this, you're not that, you're not any of these things. Uh, but it's through practice. Well, but you're also talking about aligning your energy with a, a certain oh. frequency, with a consciousness, with a, a being you want to embody. And I think, listen, I don't think these two are different. Oh, no, totally, uh, I don't think they're opposing. I think they're different states of consciousness and it's different ways of tapping in. I actually explore a lot with the indigenous and, and I've had my- oh, I know, man. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, but I also think there's been huge value in learning how to just, you know, open up and expand and be, and, and I've, I've worked both. Um, and my experience is that somehow they're, somewhere in there, they're interrelated, you know, uh, um, and there's so many different ways. That's why it's so important that we don't look at, and I know neither when you, neither, I'm not speaking to, to the two of you directly, but so much just in general, putting it out there, but it's why it's so important we don't go into either or paths, you know, into right path, wrong path, because no, there's access for you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Dr. K and I have had hundreds of conversations on this oh, topic. No. 
Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> from the macro, well, my favorite the macro. people. I mean, Walter's an encyclopedia, and Ace is just an amazing medium and psychic. I mean, it's it's been awesome. <laughs> well, what I love is that we've already gone from. So we've talked about uh, potential, uh, even conspiracy theory, like where the virus is from. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, the direct path. We've sort of crossed a lot of stuff. So I want to start sort of expanding on this a little bit. Um, uh, so, you know, actually I want to go back to where, where you were because it was such an interesting thing and I didn't, I didn't leave it back there. So you said if we want to really understand what's behind that in the reasons, were you talking about uh, energetic or were you talking about what's behind that as far as well, manipulation and human? What, what I said, metaphysically, because this is a pandemic, it yep. has to really be understood in terms of forces that have shaped the world as a whole at this point in time. So there have always been a class of human beings that are willing to sacrifice other human beings, either because they think it's the thing that they, they've heard from God or whatever, or because at their, their level of growth and spiritual development, like Walter talked about the heart before. In other words, you can have intellect, you can have wealth, but still be functioning in a totally ego, individualistic kind of mind. And it's that particular thinking and way of being in the world that's created all the compartmentalization that now is just leading, leading, leading to such destructive forces being unleashed because at that level of intellect, you can't really figure out how everything is supposed to work together. And because you have a limited perspective, you're like one, like you want to survive over somebody else. So either you're a victim or you're dominating and people don't rise above that. So in order for humanity to address a pandemic, humanity, the consciousness of humanity has to rise up to at least the heart level. So we can begin to realize that we're all the same there's this interdependence, not just with people, but with the whole ecosphere of, of the planet. So the pandemic is demanding that that take place, right? Because if it doesn't take place, I mean, there are like 10 times as many, more than 10 times as many viruses in the body as there are human cells. So the idea that we're just gonna fight this virus and we're just gonna win, you know, that ain't gonna happen. And then when you see for reasons that have to do with a lower vibrational thinking, that people are actually willing to make this virus under any kind of intellectual reason or excuse to actually make it so it's present. And it's hard not to even conjecture how we are literally, again, contributing to our own destruction. <laughs> so that's our- I have a couple of questions. I want to, um, we're going to, we're going to, yeah, I have to pull in and get a couple of these out there. Number one, uh, so do you think that, um, do you think that the state of consciousness we're in, that, that our frequency of, of, of being can also impact our immunity? You know, you talk about all these virus, 10 times, I think you said the amount of viruses sell. So my question is, you know, if we work and do these practices to lift our vibration, do the meditation, do the direct path, whatever the course may be, um, do you think that that actually can help to up our resilience? Sure. 
Right, because the, the human body, the human reality is not just limited to this biochemical and biomechanical body. Our five senses are creating the illusion that this is separate from energetic, from the biofield that surround us, right? So if we step out of this human zone, right, and just realize that we're just a dense energy field, then there are things that either increase that, amplify that, and there are things that are going to actually take away from that and make that weak. So now as a doctor, if I begin to look at people energetically in that way, I'll find that biochemical problems begin to mimic or in some ways are just a mirror of things that are happening bioenergetically, whether it's thoughts, emotions, or other things, right? What's interesting with the virus is that, let's say um, my wife introduced me to an acronym, um, POSWID, um, the purpose of a system is what it does. So if we understand what this virus is actually doing, that's its purpose. That, that's literally its purpose. And even though we might point to somebody and say, well, these group of people, maybe they were responsible for it. It's really a deeper reflection of where we're at spiritually as a human race, right? That our vibration as a humanity is not high enough where that kind of behavior and functioning can't happen under any guise. We're not there, right, at this point. And unless it's addressed at that level, because this is a pandemic, this isn't about you or me getting sick, this is a pandemic. So it has to be addressed, not at a physical level, right, with a viral, whatever, but at a metaphysical level where it originated. So if we don't deal with it at that level, it's not gonna change. So you're saying everybody lifting their energy or moving to a heart level in some right. way. Uh, so right. my, you know, so some of the ways they can do that, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about meditation, but also uh, changing perspective. Like we also have to look at our, the, the selfishness of our own thinking more honestly, no? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I want to hear from you. Go ahead, Walter. No, I, I agree with you that it, it is, we do have to take that responsibility. I mean, yes, we talked about many practices to calm ourselves and to stress this mind-body-spirit organism or this mind-body organism because it can, always, it can always get, you know, taken by the stressors. But we also have to, like you said, change our perspective um, if we're willing to. Right, or willing to say what is possible here, uh, what can grow here, how can I, people are kind of being confronted on their habits, um, they're being forced to, to change and really look at themselves. Um, so maybe this change in perspective of let's go from me to we and learn to, to work more cooperatively. And so there's room for collective growth, individual growth, um, and it's, there's the absolute and the relative, the microcosm and the macrocosm. It's all happening at, at the same time. Um, it's just we have to, to know where to bring our attention at different times. I think it's also, listen, I think that we, we have, you know, as human beings, we have reasons for our behavior, almost always. There's a reason, you know, and, and one of the biggest excuses uh, that I see for bad behavior uh, that we all make, 
uh, not pointing fingers at anybody, but is, is anxiety. Like when we're anxious and we have a reaction, you know, it's like, it's like when you can look at your kid and you know they're okay and they just skin their knees, but you're still, you're anxious, so you're having a hyper reaction and you're still imprinting that kid with trauma, even though there, it wasn't necessarily a trauma, right? Like we have these reactions. And one of the things I've noticed uh, in the stores are there are people who they're, they're walking through and they're so anxious and like, you know, if you walk and you're a little too close or whatever and you're there, like people are freaking out. They are like, you know, basically, fuck you, I will kill a bitch. You know, there is a really aggressive energy that I've experienced with certain people. And, and, and I recognized it uh, initially, it threw me off, but I recognized it quickly as anxiety uh, and sort of was able to find it's my name with that. But let me just say real quick. So for me, I was able to move to my own heart and have compassion for their anxiety and, and to, to realize like somebody's in a, you know, is, is, this is a really terrifying time for a lot of people, uh, for all of us, really. Um, but on the other end, I guess I'm also saying and asking people to become more aware of their own behavior and how they allow their own bad behavior through anxiety and realizing a part of moving to the heart is going, ah, this person's maybe moving too close. How do I respond to that in a heart way? How do I say, you know what, I'm, I'm feeling unsafe here. Can you move away? Or like, how do we learn to communicate differently and not from that fight or flight state of mind? Because I think that's a big thing with the heart state. It's not, it, the heart state can address directly uh, problems that can address, direct, address, uh, address, you know, conflict, emotional conflict, all sorts of things, but it's not necessarily going to go into fight or flight and attack. That's a different, that's, we're out of the heart at that moment, in my opinion. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, what happens when a person is threatened, like the human being part, right, can um, go into a lower vibrational state of fear, guilt, whatever, right? But the field is actually contracting. When you contract that way, your consciousness, you're not able to really listen to actually hear the other messages that are always present, the joy, peace, and love that's always present at the heart level, you can't connect that because your field now has contracted. So now you're stuck in fear and just absolute survival. So if I were, like I mentioned about the purpose of the virus is what it does. So if I wanted to make some huge social changes, one of the ways to do that is to throw people into a state of fear and panic, right? Because under those circumstances, you can do just about anything with the right provocation, you know, and justification, you know, and we've already done that many times in, in American history and stuff. So, um, so that for me is a cause for pause. We're a, little, we're a little overly oriented actually towards that, don't you think? Oh my gosh, you know, I mean, my wife and I look at Netflix and we're like, God, everything is just so dark. And you think about all the post-apocalyptic movies, we, we've gotten a kick out of watching Outlander <laughs> and just enjoying an epic love story. You know, something is just really different, you know? Well, yeah. when you start talking about this, I started thinking about uh, indigenous cultures and the stories that they tell and the power of storytelling in indigenous cultures and the importance of myth and the myths that they tell. Mm. And, and we're not realizing, you know, the myths and the stories that we tell is always, you know, when we're on the edge of destruction is, is when we finally come together and we become, you know, a human race or, you know, we become, you know, patriotic or whatever. It's like, it's always at that, that end, you know? Right. So this we tell and they become our programs and they be, we, what we don't realize is that, that that gets programmed into our nervous system. It gets programmed into our behavior, into our language, into our personal relationships. 
And I think we have to really think about the stories we tell each other, we tell ourselves, the myths that we create in our family, uh, and, and realize that what's, what's possible for the future will change dramatically if we change the stories that we're telling. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like what you said earlier about you saw people who were getting triggered in the store, but you had enough space to move into your heart and say, hey, they're scared, they're, they're suffering. Because just like Dr. K was talking about the energetics of it, how, how the, vib the vibrational field contracts and you can't really see outside of it, you know, from the brain and nervous system, it's the same thing. The, 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 the brain is in the, in the lower brain, the survival brain. The vagus nerve is affected where you're in a, either in a frozen state or a fight flight state. So these, these, are, these are strong primitive reactions and they're also lower level emotions that get triggered from early on. So someone's, you know, mind, body, self is, you have to have compassion for ourselves and others because this happens to the best of us. Even when we think we're feeling great, we can get hit by some fear. So to work on all, again, I always say to work on all levels, to work at the energetic level, to expand our field, to work at the, the nervous system level, to, to find ways to balance the nervous system and there are many ways. And again, this will give us greater access to the larger field, but also we can occasionally try going directly to the larger field and not just doing something to make that larger field happen. Yeah, so, and I want to be clear because I'm no saint. You know, I, I definitely got a good Italian temper. And my first reaction was that I wanted to take the eggplant thinking it wouldn't hurt them too much and just whip it right at their head. But I had enough pause in me to be able to like take a breath and shift. And, and I, I talk about this a lot with people that, are, you know, what, it's really with our emotions, with our reactions, is really trying to work into a tolerance state where we just have that pause between our reaction and when we actually act. And if we can just find that pause, instead of trying to change what we feel or how we want to react, just create the space for the pause, then we can actually become conscious and exercise our free will to choose how we want to respond or to recognize what's really happening in a situation. Um, and sometimes a, just a, a millisecond will work for that. So um, listen, I need to come back to this because uh, you and I, Dr. Kai talked about something really interesting and it was, uh, so obviously bacteria are living, uh, viruses are supposedly, I understand. Yeah, so. Viruses are supposedly not, and I, I wait, two things. So I want you to tell us the difference between a bacteria and a virus, if you would, and then talk a little bit about you, what you were talking about around viruses and, and being alive or not. So in, in mainstream understanding in biology, right, bacteria are considered to be alive relative, and there are a number of factors that qualify that relative to cellular metabolism, able to make their own proteins, have a way to reproduce and stuff. And I don't know the details of that, but I do know that viruses are not considered to be alive. And this for me is a narrow human centric standpoint of trying to understand something that has been created, right? So anything that moves the face of consciousness to achieve a certain level of density and reality in this world has a purpose because there was an intention that actually stirred source field to lend to their creation, whether it's just a genetic RNA, whatever you want to call it and stuff, right? It's been created because there's a thought or something that went first you know, that actually led to that creation. So if you look at it in a larger context, you're really stuck with the fact that, okay, um, 
from a human-centric standpoint, we're saying, this is horrible. We have this virus and stuff. Within a larger, more metaphysical or cosmic reality, this is all happening in the mind and spirit, so to speak, of a universal conscious being. The universe is alive. So there's a reason why this is being brought to humanity's door, right? Because, I mean, our little frontal lobes could be doing a whole lot more than they're doing now relative to the kind of distress and dis, um, destruction that we're actually creating here. So this is like a prescription, like you got a disease now, you, you have to, humanity has to find a solution to this, right? So for me, just in clinical practice and, and working where a model where I looked at mechanical, chemical, energetic, and then looking at consciousness, I realized just from dealing with people individually that unless you could actually help them to get to a heart level where they had access to real thinking, like inspiration, intuition, revelation, right? They're going to drown in their human reality, right? Because of all the craziness that's going on and it affects their health. All kinds of studies to show how fear and different anxiety states weaken the immune system. But the reality is people aren't able to get to that level. So we need a lot of different paths, you know, things that I've talked about, things you do, things that Walter does that help people to find that portal that allows them to stabilize their consciousness and vibration in a way that keeps their, their sphere of awareness expanded. So they can always go past like their perspective, just like what happened when you saw in the store, you see the person reacting, you didn't have an instant you know, first chakra activation. So like when I'm in the office with people, I literally will put my hand in their field and muscle test to see if a chakra is not working. So when I come to people that are anxious and traumatized, their first chakra is always blown out, you know, and then you, you got to help people to get past that. Funny you said the base chakra, Gwen. Uh, you know the the oils that are in my office. My, uh, my right, right. I, I saw I saw the chat note. Yeah, <laughs> she talked about a base chakra of humanity is in a collective activation, activating. Thank <laughs> you. Blown out. Well, you're uh, you're right in alignment with alignment with that. <laughs> right. Yes, you're in alignment with that. That is. It's overactivated. <laughs> Um, are, we, are we agreeing that, are you saying that a virus has a level of consciousness? I know that Dr. David Hawkins, who does the consciousness calibrations, he, cal he calibrated that as a zero, the level of consciousness of a virus. But you're saying because it is part of this reality of consciousness as a whole, that has to have some level of alignment. Okay, so, so look at it this way. If I have a bow and arrow, and I take that arrow and I string it and I shoot it, right? Does the arrow necessarily have a consciousness or whatever? But there was something behind it. There's a thought or whatever that initiates something, right? So you can have a particular thought. You don't know where it's going to end up in terms of its manifestation, right? So, so these virologists, right, decided, hey, why don't we see if we can make a virus 
that actually could affect the human being, could go into those cells, could bind to the ACE2 receptors. And we're going to do this, even though it's already been said, this is off limits. But then there's a moratorium because this experiment was already started, right? And we see the CDC, we see the Wuhan, whatever, all of these institutions are contributing to this. So, you know, that's there. It, the, the thought, the energy comes from somewhere and it's being projected. Now, it, right. So created in a laboratory or not, you're still saying something in consciousness, in, in a collector, there's some a consciousness behind that initiates the virus, right? Right. right. Consciousness. So here's then my next question. And then, so then a, a virus then, as you're saying, Walter, though, the virus itself maybe has been tested as a zero consciousness. My question loops into what somebody else typed here, but I'm going to loop it a little different, which is, uh, so do you think when a virus is in the host, because uh, there are certain things that are predictable, but it's not completely predictable. My question would be, does it in some way become more conscious connected to the host? Is it, does it wind up, um, is it programmed in a way that it expresses its consciousness through somebody? Or it's does somebody- It's programmed in a way that according to how skilled that archer is, it will actually achieve the goal that it's set out to achieve. The purpose of systems is what it, it's what it does. So we have a, a system and way of looking at and, and responding to this illness that's breaking down the whole fabric of society. I'm just saying that's not an accident. Right. It's, it's just not an accident and stuff, right, that that's happening. But that's also now. Are you saying all viruses that have ever existed? No, no. Okay. So... If we have all these viruses, bacteria, parasites in our body, part of it is, one, if we move past our five senses, right, we're a dense collective of life organisms that are in this human body. And we have to separate our life in terms of our spirit piece from this human body. This body develops, it grows, and then we discard it and we move on and stuff, right? So part of the life energy is to balance a virus wants to live most viruses they get into the body and they actually help the body to function they learn how to adapt with the body when children have different viral infections in childhood that's actually been shown to protect them from autoimmune disease every time you know when you when you decide to vaccinate like 20 30 different things constantly you're not strengthening the body's own ability to handle it. Remember like chicken pox parties or measles parties? Because it was almost like a rite of passage for the human body with respect to its connection with different viruses, right? At this point, that's really being ignored. You got things that we wouldn't even think about making a vaccination for, right? And at this point, you have to say, well, if this is happening to society right now, and big farmer, which is in the ear of the president and whatever, all they're talking about is vaccines, then how does a vaccine actually serve the people that are actually trying to create the vaccine, right? Because if it was just about people, we would have been hip to like take vitamin C, you know, your doctor would be telling you stuff, big pharma, that would be advertised on TV, do these things to decrease the viral infection, that's not the case. We're not being told the things that can make a difference. 
So, and it's a certain orientation that's consistent, that's consistent, that's creating that. Okay, and we're also hypnotized by that too. So here goes my question. Oh my gosh. We're, we're living in a world where, you know, where most people are praying for a vaccine at this point. And uh, so that vaccine comes out, uh, knowing that the virus has been unleashed and even with what you're saying, and we're, we're moving consciousness, but we still have this virus to contend with. Do we take the vaccine? I mean, I know you can't, I'm asking medical, but I mean, like, in general, your opinion, you know, probably. So my, my opinion is that with the right conditions and nutrition, right, that one, people are automatically going to become immune, like will develop herd immunity. Two, you could actually take the convalescent blood. It's already been talked about in terms of serum and actually use that to help people that are naive. Naive meaning that they've never, their immune system has never experienced a spike protein. That's the crazy part because you develop something for which there's minimal immune defenses against. I mean, it was developed that way, right? So rather than trying to reinvent this whole vaccine thing, which is more monetary, what if we actually use the serum from people that are convalescing? What if we actually use nutrients and herbs that actually block viral replication or favor the body's own natural immune response? And vitamin C, hyperbaric, ozone. It goes on and on. It's not hard to do, but there's no will to do it because it's not part of the system. Quick example from my own work as an acupuncturist. When I, I wrote my thesis on physics and medicine back in the 80s, late 70s, 80s, and they found that a pap smear, right, that you know, measuring the electrical potential between the cervix and the abdominal wall, in 98% of women with cancer, that potential would reverse. But that was not accepted. Why? Because it's not part of the mindset, cultural orientation, right, to actually look at that kind of information that's more in the biofield and not in the chemical body, right? So here we are with, you know, examples that vitamin C can work against viruses, both in Wuhan, they reported that, in our own history for the last 70 years. Will that be adopted? No, because it's not within a big farmer model. And that's part of the limitation, the perspective, right, that's limiting us and that's why there has to be more love, vibration, and energy sent out there to melt that away. It has to be, that thickness and rigidity has to be dissolved because it's going to create many other problems. So really important because I, I know people listening, there's different, different reactions and feelings that are going to be happening from this. So here's my question for you. Uh, let's say you're somebody who wants to be a part of that open heart, love, connectivity, evolve right. culture, uh, but you also don't necessarily, uh, you know, you're hearing something from Dr. Kokai for the first time and it's not something you really have a concept of and you just don't have the information to back it up. You know, yeah. can, can that person take the vaccine and, and secure themselves because they, they feel like that's what they need to do? Uh, given what's going on in the world and what they have to do for their physical survival and still be a part of the, the open heart, love, vibration, growth. You, you, you can, but there becomes a point where you have a drug. I mean, the U.S. has, uh, out, the population here takes more drugs than anywhere else on the planet. 
but yet our health indices are way down. So adding more drugs is just shifting deck chairs on the Titanic, right? It, it, it's not going to achieve a larger result because what's going to happen next year? You know, it's like the hurricanes hitting the Caribbean. You run, you fix everything up, and then two, three years later, here's another hurricane coming. It's not a deeper left level of response. So a that that like a vaccine maybe like 30, 40 years ago, we were talking about smallpox vaccine or whatever. Yeah, that might have made a difference there, but how many vaccines are we gonna take? How many vaccines are we gonna put into our children's bodies and stuff? It, it, it's, it's not the right approach. It's too limited and narrow. It's not gonna work in the long run. So yeah, if you wanna do that in your own individual life, make the choices that seem best for you best on what you have available but this is a pandemic so i'm talking about larger scale in terms of how we need to respond as a human race yeah i like what uh one of our listeners just wrote it almost feels like we need to have a new 60s love peace harmony but we're dealing with a different war uh but all these wars are of, of our are of our own creation so really? I think there's a developmental miles, developmental milestones that need to be met because talking about nutrition to eat health, I mean, the nutrition is so far off for many people who don't know any better that it's going to take a, a lot of time to get them to make changes, you know, to be able to afford to eat properly, to eat properly, um, to be able to build up their immune system. Because looking at the, the many of the people who are getting really sick, um, they have metabolic syndrome, high blood pressure, diabetes, all the basics that come from poor diet and toxicity um, and, and lack of exercise. So there is going to have to be some steps in place for people to, you know, everyone is not going to just expand to a loving state and heal. At, but at the same time, we need to, we need to bring the consciousness up at a, at a level that that everyone can work at their own at their own pace some people might get catapulted into it um, i think uh brilliantly picking back on that is this other thing here and somebody talked about connect you know hormone imbalance imbalance and nervous system energy and the heart level of consciousness you know you would agree that like how we eat how we take care of our body the state of our body and what's happening with our hormones and the foods we eat will absolutely have an impact on the state of our emotions, our consciousness, and our energy, and our ability to expand. Yes? Agreed? Not? Agreed. Agreed. Totally. I would say, yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. yeah, no, you were going to say something more. I want to hear. I was going to say that, you know, everybody's, uh, their, their mind-body system and their brain has, has layers and layers of experience of multiple influences, and everybody's just so different because you have experiences from early childhood, you have experiences from conception and birth, you have generational patterns, you have past lives, if you believe it, but there, there are just layers of influence, astrological influences on, the, on each individual person. So how does each individual person navigate that and know where to work so that they can be, free up more energy, so become less, either less constricted or less dissociated and not present. So we're looking for a balance where a person can be in the world, but out of the world. Again, the microcosm within the macrocosm. So you can work nutritionally. For some people, that's going to be more of a factor. Some people eat a perfect diet, but
but they are not paying any attention to their emotions. They're obsessed with the diet and they still think that that's what they need to work on. Some people are obsessed with their posture. So each person has to find that balance of the yin and yang, of the, of the, the structural, the energetic. And it doesn't have to be like a, a huge science experiment where you, know, you have to constantly biohacking yourselves like some of the newer uh, podcasts are doing now. There's a little bit of biohacking. I think we have to see what, what areas start paying attention to what, where we need to work. You know, am I holding a lot of emotion? Um, when I eat this food, do I feel, you know, very angry and disconnected? So start to just become aware in the body and, and, and aware of our own nervous systems. And at the same time, we can work at, at the spiritual, you know, they, they can be done simultaneously without overwhelming yourself. So my opinion on this is, is two things. I think that your advice is great. And I think there's the I advice. And the I advice is basically we need to become more self-aware in general by being more in tune, taking a moment. I, I highly recommend every human being wake up in the morning and just take a moment to check in with your state of being, you know, and, and you can do that on every level from assessing where your body is, tension. You can do it more first from a mental, but, uh, and then going into like, okay, and just in general, how do I feel? And just sort of, sitting with that question, not trying to feel, but just being with how do I feel and feeling that. And, and whether you um, get information from that or not, you know, just doing that, what's going to happen is you just become more self-aware of your state and you become more self-aware when you're not in that state or how that state fluctuates. And it's one of those things where I believe if you just do this habitually every day, uh, it, it will just begin to, your unconscious mind will begin to say, oh, look, you felt that way in the morning. Like you'll begin to become aware of your normal morning state and you'll begin to become aware of your afternoon state. It'll, it'll be, bring awareness. So this is a great self sort of um, I way to work with this. However, I think everything we're talking about, you're talking about diet and exercise and all that. It, it actually also goes all the way back to the we consciousness because we, we need to develop our I, but we need to develop our I in connection with the we, you know, and realize that we can't separate those. And it goes back to a lot of what you've been talking about come out. Um, and I think, you know, part of our we consciousness is realizing like the foods that we have in our stores in general is for shit. You know, the food that you go in your vegetable department and most vegetable departments have poison in them and people think that they're eating something really healthy. You know, uh, you know, most packaging tells you like, you know, the word natural. So many people are still buying stuff, reading something natural and thinking because it says the word natural that it's actually natural and not realizing that, you know, you can have a micro ingredient that's natural and call it natural and 90% and of it could be, you know, chemical and, and manufactured and manipulated. So, or they can pull out uh, a chemical constituent from something that was natural and put that in. We know that it reacts in your body in a way that is completely not natural because we're, we're pulling out one constituent from a plant or whatever. And now we have poison so that we're putting in our food, but we can call it natural because it started out from a plant or starting out with something. So, so I think a part of it is also changing the cultural consciousness. I think a part of our love state or our, you know, raising the vibration of our society and our culture has to do with uh, not just the individual choices that we make, but the expectations that we put on our companies and what they're producing and our willingness to buy the bullshit on our television. We buy it. It just it boggles my brain that how much we buy it. And I know we buy it because if we didn't buy it, it wouldn't be all over our TVs because those ads cost a lot of friggin' money. And they're working and they they'll tell you you know like eating this white bread with these you know moldy peanuts and this and that or whatever is like the best thing and it's healthy too and people are like look it's good for johnny let me give it to johnny you know uh and, and what's that that's 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 very true yeah so, so I just, you, please, uh, that's like, 
just let me say one more thing. I think it ties into the Kamau and you're talking about vaccines and whatnot. Like there is a place where people are fatigued and they feel like, do I have to be that aware? And, and to some degree, the answer is yes. You don't have to be that aware that you have to be hypervigilant uh, in every moment, but it, it's, it's more about we have to become aware that, that we're being lied to, uh, that that's actually a natural part of our system. That's not conspiracy theory. That, you know, products and companies are allowed to lie and label you know, in, in ways that are deceptive. Um, uh, part of that is because you know, the powers that be don't necessarily believe that poison is poison. You know? um, so that's part of where that comes from. So they're saying, well, that's not lying. Okay, wait, that's poison. Um. Things too is that the, the, the food is actually, we're preying on each other because the food scientists know how to toggle your taste buds. They know what cultural group likes what kind of taste bud, you know, taste, you know, in terms of selling the food. So we're actually, it, it, it's more than just a, it's junk. It's, it's an intelligence that goes behind it to actually create that so that we, we feed into that. So that, I mean, that's at a whole different level of imbalance, right? So one thing that I, I tell folks um, to help stay in, in that heart resonant state um, where you're really connected to your super consciousness is to give gratitude. And no matter what your circumstances, physical or emotional situation, if you can find about five things that you're grateful for on a regular basis, that can help to shift you out of whatever, you know, um, victimization, right? Lower vibrational victimization state that you're allowing yourself to get into, right? Cause you gotta get out of that. That the world doesn't have time for victims right now. You know, there's a big wave that has just come through Either you can ride that wave, right? Figure out how to be ahead of it, you know, but you can also be crushed by that wave, right? And a lot of people are succumbing on different levels. And in part, the virus is designed to pluck, you know, pluck away and, and remove certain things from the population. But um, yeah, so we, we have to tune up on a lot of, on a lot of different levels. And, the food piece is obvious for many folks, but there's a big divide when you go from biochemical to bioenergetic and consciousness. And a lot of people are really having trouble getting with that because they see it as being something that's outside of themselves and that they can't really access it. So well, here we are. Well, and I know so part of with the bioenergetics and, and accessing it, you're also talking about emotional states having uh, a relationship to do with our our bioenergetic state sure i mean so experiences program us in terms of how it shapes our perspective you know and when your perspective is being so weighed down like one of my favorite videos is a stroke of insight by jill bolt taylor right and she says you know when she has this stroke and it knocks out her left brain she says imagine 39 years of emotional baggage is just gone, right? <laughs> because she was no longer weighted down by all the stuff that we accumulate over the years and stuff. So, so you, you know, you want to help people not to keep going and relive the trauma, but to re-identify with who you really are, which is a divine spiritual being in a temporary 
incarnation and you want to keep getting with i'm a divine spiritual being i am the one that i've been waiting for you know all the answers flow through me i can dissolve anything challenges that are in front of me people have to like embrace that and identify with that so that they don't get caught in like the fear mongering and all the other stuff that's going on you gotta elevate well i will say though i think with this gotta elevate though i think it's really important that people know like we all you know anybody can get tumbled by a wave in a moment yeah. you know? and and we do at times it's actually also about this goes back to uh, the mindful practice, the direct path, this goes back to what you were talking about with trance and having a connection with other practices and meditation. It's, it's the ability to come back out of that and reconnect, you know, so nobody's saying, uh, well, moment, yeah. you know, if you fall into these moments that you're somehow done something wrong or you failed humanity or yourself right. or whatever, what we're saying is it's about not living in that state of consciousness. Right. It is a practice and it is one where uh, you have to know that if you're going to try to live in a higher uh, consciousness or the, you know more in, in awareness that you're going to fail at, at being at that all the time you know and when you start and that that's that's actually not that's a positive failure it's a failure that, that helps us learn you know it's like uh it's like the first time you try to you know if you try to shoot a basket or anything else you know those are there's failures that teach us how to target better and how to work yeah. better yeah. same way it will shift um also, one more thing I just, before you go, Walter, I just want to say something to, just to bring this up, because I don't know if people know this, because you talked about bioenergetic treatments, you talked about vaccines and all sorts of stuff. I just want to make it really clear that somebody might come to your office for treatment, and they may get everything from a prescription that will be fulfilled by a pharmacy to bioenergetic healing and, and everything in between. You, you will draw from whatever is the most appropriate. Whatever, whatever is necessary or works given a person's situation, their belief system, their finances. I mean, they're just their orientation. You know, some people come in and this is like totally new. Other people come in, they've been on a plant-based diet for 10 years and they still sick. So you gotta look someplace else. I, I mean, you know, it, you know, we're all over the place right now, right? And then Walter, you wanted to say something? I, I just want to make that clear that people knew that, uh, you know, when they come to a guy, it's not like he's not doing a full spectrum or is anti-something right, right, right. about not just being uh, hypnotized by one way. It's not being dogmatic, actually. He's by no means dogmatic. <laughs> um, as you were saying before, yes, even just because you can go into the, a place of, you know, heart connection or open awareness, doesn't mean that there are different parts of you that can get still get triggered. You know, there are different parts that the controller will pop up somewhere. Next thing you know, there's a seven-year-old somewhere running around that inside of you that pops up in a contextual situation. I mean, we can get triggered relationally from different contexts, from different chemicals I found can, can bring things up. And you're right that we have to have compassion for ourselves and say, and, you know, the moment, the moment we start thinking we've reached this super consciousness, it, it, like you said, anybody can get get taken out by a wave. So it's a process of of um, un unfoldment. You know, when I say the direct path, it's a gradual unfoldment. It doesn't mean all of a sudden you're there and you, you can stay there. It's something that needs work. Well, and I think what you said was so important is that it also, compassion and heart starts with self. You know, we're not giving it to anybody else if we don't give it to ourselves. And we're not giving it to, uh, you know, yeah, it starts. 
We have, we've been taught so much to not have compassion for ourselves. But I, I think um, the reality of, um, of, of birth, when a spirit comes into a human vehicle that's actually prepared, right? And then all the stuff that we take on as we go through this journey, right? Um, it, one, you signed up for it. <laughs> Two, yes, it is going to challenge you. I mean, when I look at people like Eckhart Tolle, Michael Beckwith, people that have had like amazing metaphysical experiences, right? They all were going through their own dark night of the soul. You know, they all were just experiencing all kind of just stuff that was really horrific, right? And, but yet, and still they had, there was enough grace available to them that they could move to a different place. And I don't think anybody should see themselves as any different relative to the kind of like how low and that a human being can go in terms of their functioning and in what is possible, what's redeemable, what's renewable, what can be reconstituted. And I mean, you go on and you know what? If you don't figure it out this time around, maybe you figure it out next time around, you know? But the effort and consciousness to do it, um, it just needs to be implanted. So uh, just to wrap up, I wanna come back to a couple things. Somebody mentioned nutrition, exercise, not being a, a a concept with certain cultures. You know, one of the things I want to say is that, you know, I don't know how you guys feel, but I don't necessarily believe in any prescribed diet. I think that everybody has their, I think that's what you were saying, Walter, anyway, about listening to our own bodies. I also, I also think the energy with which we eat our food really matters. Like, do you love what you're eating? And I think that, you know, and are you eating it with love, with permission, or, or do you love what you're eating? And then afterwards telling yourself, oh my God, I shouldn't have eaten it. And that was horrible. And, you know, and, and punishing yourself it goes back to that compassion. Part of the the love state of consciousness is how we we uh, we uh, interact with the, everything that we do in life. Actually, it's becoming more conscious and present in our and, yeah. and realizing that all things that we do, putting food in your yeah. body, is a relationship, and you have a relationship with that food. Mm -hmm. uh, the other part, I just because I just have to address this, is that you know, like certain cultures, exercise is not a concept that they're going to get. There, there's no culture that doesn't move. You know, I don't believe, again, in a prescribed exercise. I don't necessarily think everybody has to exercise in the gym or in a traditional way. And, and, and so I think this is really about what we're talking about is a, where we just become conscious of in relationship to how things are responding in our body, how we're feeling. It's about excess. It's about um, our relationship to moving and, and what feels good in our bodies, right? I agree. <laughs> yeah, I think all of you know, there's so much information out there, and I think it's something to be approached with uh, curiosity. This is interesting, and let's look at it, and then think about, I can try certain things and see how this relates to me, but I think it's so important. People think that being healthy, too many people think that being healthy means uh, having no pleasure with, with food, and I disagree right. with you. From, from, the problem is, from a practical standpoint, all health is relational. Mm -hmm. So as a health practitioner, if you allow a person when they come to see you just to kind of share who they are beyond the initial presenting complaint, you'll see what's really going on will emerge either by what they're talking about. Um, and I, I mean, it's amazing how people come in, there'll be one complaint and then the next thing you know, you spend a half an hour talking about a previous relationship or some area of their life. So the energy goes where there's an imbalance. So in part, 
you know, as a health practitioner, we're just trying to perceive where that is and then give people the tools and the treatment to allow them not to get stuck in that zone. So all their life energy gets caught up in that area and they don't get to deliver the gift that they have as being a spiritual being here in this incarnation. Okay, so here, either one of you, I don't care who, but uh, as we get towards the end of the show, I wanna really, so you have somebody in here, they're like, they're hearing it, they agree, they got it. Again, you know, how do people begin to institute this in their life? You know, uh, how do they begin to, where do they start? You know, as far as, and where do they start that's effective? Have you thought about that? How to sort of guide somebody in a way to say, not just, I mean, it's easy to say, start with your breath, sit here, do this, but like. I could say, I could say. Life coach. <laughs> I could say one thing, really. Each person, right, we, we have a, a certain amount of awareness, a certain amount of knowledge, and there's a lot of information out there. So each person who's doing their best, they get up, they have to make decisions, you know, throughout the day. If they have a family, they have kids, they have to look at the food they're going to cook, what they're going to buy. If they're, if they're struggling with a health condition, they have to know which practitioner to go to. They look online. They don't know who to listen to. So each person is, is you know, has, a, has some responsibility to try to take action. However, you know, that's all well and good to use your intellect, whatever you have, and to use your resources. But I think it's a good practice to start the day is just to connect. Uh, just be still and connect to something greater for guidance. And then when you start like that, you're going to take action in the, in the re relative world because you have to, but you feel that there's some, some, some guidance that, that's with you, and you as you're taking that action. So I, I like to connect in the morning, just sit still. We can start with the breath and just connect and just be present in the stillness and whatever comes up comes up and then maybe you can if you have a prayer or a connection however you like to do it you can but it's sort of a surrender to, to to for guidance saying i don't know everything me you know walter as this as this expression of consciousness is, does not know everything it, it, but i will i it only knows what i know when i'm programmed and what i what can i can look up so i have that 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 overarching guidance and then I'll start with gratitude, like Dr. Kokai talked about. Gratitude shifts the vibration as well. What am I thankful for? And then what's possible? And then um, sometimes it can be, okay, what do I need to let go of? If, like a few things. What am I holding that I need to let go of? What do I need to be aware of? And let consciousness inform me. What do I need to be aware of? And sometimes it'll show me a cell. You know, there's a cell that's tight. Sometimes it'll say you're holding tension in your heart or you, or you have this, this, you know, this resentment towards somebody. Maybe it, it, it comes your way. And then turn it out to us, you know, then send that energy out to, to the world, you know, loving energy to the world. Um, and that's just one, that's one way to kind of get started with it so you don't feel like it's just you. And then, of course, is the, the, the logistics of looking things up and, consulting with professionals um, who, you, who you think could be helpful, but at least it's, you have some sort of framework that's sort of helping guide you. I can add something here. Um, so as someone that, that has to hold space for people and a good part of the time in working, I say hold space, 
I mean, as a doctor, you're not judgmental, right? You're trying to always increase your, your skills in terms of, of listening. So you hear what's, what's actually going on with somebody. Um, and what I would say from what I hear is that uh, the people that actually are able to thrive, they do things that they're conscious about their structural body, their chemical and their energetic body. And they have whatever exercises or things that they have figured out that work at those different levels and that they actually take time to connect with source. That, that's a big one. They actually take time to make that connection. And, you know, they try to move within that. And I have people, you know, patients that I see the ones that really thrive and, and, and are doing well. And they definitely, beyond just the genetics of it, that there's definitely a, a organized way of approaching their lives. So thank you both. I have, a, a, I have you know, kind of a can of worms to open up here. Uh, that I'm really curious if we can have some insight on here, which is uh, so many, you know, as, as you're talking, I'm just sitting here thinking how privileged we are in a certain way, you know, even, uh, even though none of us are super wealthy on this program right now or whatever, but we're, we're still, we're where we are, we're privileged in the world compared to so many, uh, and in this country compared to so many, you know, this, this, uh, this pandemic is having such a high impact on minorities and and by and, and it's the it's the poor globally that are suffering the most you know uh, uh i guess my question is you know and and the rich you know they're not they're not necessarily more love vibration right but they're uh but they're in some ways they they get to go through it a whole lot better uh and it seems to not touch them quite the same way so you know what do we say to the minorities how do we you know how do we help people not just go into resentment? How do we help uh, tear down a system that's so out of balance? You know, where people- answer. You know, it's really remembering that, you know, a lot of what we're talking about that keeps us out of love vibration is our propensity towards survival. It's our caveman brain. That's like, gotta survive, gotta survive. And being kept down that way, uh, the way so many people are in the world, keeps us in a survival mode. Anyway, please. Okay, that that just opens up. To, I told you. <laughs> that, that opens up to so many things. Um, but I'm going to try to just narrow my response rather than even address like just the reality of slavery and how all of that, you know, ties into human evolution and stuff, right? So right now, like one of the immediate things I was just discussing with somebody it's given the way that the current virus is affecting minorities and now understanding that this was something like that that's an arrow that i said was shot right um why i would want to compare the death rate to like previous influenza viruses in the last couple of years to see what percentage of people were quote unquote black minority hispanic whatever you know groups that you want and comparing that to actually now with this virus, keeping in mind that they're just different, um, you know, that um, is, is slightly different given the novel activity of this virus and given, you know, people that are, are in all these different fields, the underclass in terms of, you know, the roles that they play. 
um, in society. But again, if I start looking at that level, I'm looking at a level that doesn't provide me with solutions that are viable because then I'm reacting to that. What I'm saying is that at our core, you and me are the same energy. It's the same life stream, right? So in part, this is something that has actually been orchestrated, right? So that the only way that we survive is that we use all of our different skills and just um, DNA to actually begin arrive at a solution that works for everybody. Now that might sound, you know, really like some love vibe thing or whatever, but there has to be first the acknowledgement that wrong has been done. <laughs> you know, if you can't acknowledge that, you know, this is really a mess on there's so many levels. This is just a mess, whether we're talking about race, sex, but, but that, it's a mess. If that can't be acknowledged or addressed, then how do you fundamentally change it? How do you move toward like atonement or peace? So I'm just saying that in your own individual sphere, just like I'm in my own individual sphere, right? I'm still connected to a higher vibrational reality that I'm trying to bring in whenever I'm talking to whoever, black, white, Asian, Native American, all of these different streams have a role to play in the enfoldment of consciousness, right? So I walk with that understanding. I keep that understanding, right? I came out of my own particular background as an African-American who was in the All-African Revolutionary People's Party who did all, had all kind of reality, but you, you have to grow past that. But that's what's interesting about this journey. So, um, so the thing that's important for me is that um, the people that are closest to me, especially my, my children, to the degree that they will let me in, I will inform them, but they've been raised a particular way. So this ain't about hate. This ain't about revenge because you can't take that energy on and use that to free yourself because it's just a mirror of the energy that's being hit at you. So I remember when I was doing meditation the other day and I was in a trance state and I was talking to people in the group. I said, will you be able to forgive the people that are the energy that's actually behind this, right? Can you rise to that level where you can like, okay. And the answer of course is yes, but there has to be some recognition that something was done. And that recognition is not going to come until um, the mainstream media in this country has to bow and begin to actually look in a larger way, as is the rest of the world, which in many quarters um, is actually addressing this larger reality. So it's, you know, my answer is just on, on, on multiple levels, but you got to work with where you're at and realize you're not a victim, that you're a divine spiritual being, no matter what your circumstances are. But at the same time, but what you're saying, and I, uh, by the way, I love so much of what you said. Um, but uh, what I also hear that you're saying, though, is, is that there's a way that we get to you know, acknowledge we're being oppressed and need that acknowledgement and, and need to be able to address our oppressors. 
you know, and, and stand to that to say, wait, like, this isn't okay, but also not sinking into a victim consciousness. So you're asking to elevate consciousness beyond being a victim and, and, and being a part of that divine energy, but also saying, not that you're necessarily, you know, moving into that state of forgiveness, but blindly saying, okay, this is okay. I'm just going to be. No, you can't. You can't be blind. So one day is black people, the next day is Indian people, the next day is Chinese people, it's right. gay people. It's, I mean, it's a lower vibrational thinking that makes all these separations based on an out-of-form reality that has nothing to do with source other than that source created it. For well, a reason. Let, well, let me tell you where I'm going and read my ass, because I, 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 again, I love all of that. Did I lose it? No, there we go. Sorry, <laughs> I had a weird moment with my Zoom. Um, so, uh, so let's say that that uh, uh, that you're. So let's say you want to go against the system. You're saying the system's broke, people are getting screwed. You know, I want to stand up to that. How do we? How do we rebel? How do we stand up? How do we activate. How do we, and then, how do we activate and not just repeat uh, the '60s and not just repeat old patterns of of right, wrong, black, white, staying in like our political arena where we have, you know, the left and the right and these, these, uh, you know, battles that are, I can't say they're pointless, but I, I can say they're just keeping us locked in the same old system. Right. It keeps going in the circle. So I was in college, right? I started a black studies newspaper called Sasa, and that ran for about 23 years. When I was in school, the big question for me as an African-American is that do I need to be out here in terms of the whole civil rights energy? Like I had a full scholarship to law school. I chose to go to medical school because I thought that there would be more of a healing energy in terms of approaching things, right? Then I get to medical school, right? And it was funny, my, my first year, um, I, I, I was studying with this guy who was a black psychiatrist, and I told him, look, I'm not interested in drugs per se. I want to know how human beings think and function, right? He told me I was a fool, basically, because I, I didn't want to know that, right? All, all I'm saying is that wherever you are at, their spirit will direct you if you put yourself in a position to hear and listen, and you'll find out what your assignment is, basically. <laughs> You know, I think you just did something really big. Wherever you're at, that's where, where spirit will lead. Wherever you are, God is. <laughs> wow. I think, uh, I think that that's, that's where we've come to today because wherever you're at uh, and whatever's going on with you, uh, whether you're out in the world or stuck in your home, we're participating in this, this collective consciousness, this global consciousness all the time. Guys, thank you so much for being here. I love yeah. you all. Thank you. Take care.